Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. Welcome back to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Um, I've got a special guest here, uh, Tim Schleiger. Is that how you pronounce your surname? Correct. Oh, Correct. thank you. Good. I'm glad I got that out of the way. Um, Tim works in the, in the soccer world, professional himself, a professional player. Um, and now he's working in Melbourne with a lot of MPL, I guess a couple of Aussies at the moment, I guess in the pipeline essentially. A lot of A-League players consult to all the, the major clubs. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, I, I played as a, um, you know, back in the South Melbourne era in the old NSL days and, you know, used to go on loan and play out in the, in the State League. An injury for me um, in those days, I had what was called osteitis pubis. Um, but in, in those days, there was no understanding of it. So I had three or four groin operations, and by my sort of early to mid twenties, I was cooked. But it also, it's, I, I was studying at that stage, you know, human movement and post grad biomechanics and that sort of stuff. So it was a pretty easy transition for me. So I moved over from um, uh, from the, the player into what I saw as, you know, strength and conditioning and, and, and basically a new way to, to, to look after athletes. Yeah, but when was this? So this was sort of all through the mid-90s. Yeah, so, so this is early S&C uh, days in early Australia. S&C. Back, back, I think, in the day where if you called yourself a personal trainer, there was probably about five of us. Yeah. You know, and you actually knew them. They were involved at a football club. as a, In those days, it was the fitness advisor. Uh, <laughs> there was no high-performance coaches or anything like that. Um, and so then uh, I, I worked and consulted with, you know, NBL basketball. I worked with AFL um, and then began a clinic um, and a, a personal training business. It was the old two good personal trainers. Um, and so that business thumped out through the, the 90s and we got right into our corrective exercise rehab and it evolved into a physiotherapy clinic. So... Today it's called the Sports Clinic of Melbourne, based in Paran, um, and we've got a great team of sort of young um, sports physios, all done their masters, and they're they're really passionate about sport coverage. Um, and then also through to now, we've got the Sports Clinic of Football around the corner from you in Moorabbin, um, which is a 24/7 soccer gym, uh, and it's also we've got treatment and clinic down there as well, specifically targeting. Um, uh, the round ball game, even though I still do consulting with AFL players down there, but we're really trying to target and educate parents um, and young footballers uh, just to teach them from my experiences, having worked in England and worked in the Middle East and worked with so many top players internationally, mm. um, to try and give them the advice that I've seen over, you know, 25, 30 years, both as a player, but then also in in the rehab setting, in high performance, in strength and conditioning. Yeah, so well, let's get into that with the expertise with youth and working with youth footballers. Kind of like, what are the big, the big problems that you're seeing with youth fo- footballers in Australia today? The biggest issue that young footballers have is, and I think we've got to look back historically. So if we look at the period that I worked with, which is often deemed the golden generation, They were top athletes and they were footballers. These days we tend to produce footballers, but they're not top athletes. Mm -hmm. And so many of the injuries, probably all of the injuries I see in in young footballers is simply a case of them not being strong enough to play the game. 
Yeah, so would you say that's more like an early specialization and that they're just kind of like double down in one specific specific area of becoming a footballer and very skillful and not looking at all the other components of fitness that were I guess, a compliment um, on the pitch. Correct. And, and so my, my dear friend, uh, Vince Grella, ex-Socceroo, played um, Captain Empoli in the Serie A, played at Blackburn Rovers in the Premier League. He is now Vice President of Catania, um, a, a club in Sicily. And he, he says, you know, there's more academies in Victoria for soccer than there are in the whole of Italy. Wow. So you've got a lot of people cashing in on the profits of potentially producing young players and and telling you know trips to Spain and trips to England and all that sort of stuff and a lot of these players uh, because of they have to be spoken to so nicely today sometimes have an unrealistic expectation of what's involved and so you'll often hear some uh, academies tell stories where they went over there and played the Ajax um, <coughs> played the Ajax uh, youth team or something and get get beaten 18 nil, you know Jeez. it's just they're th- they're that far off it. So historically, we look at that golden generation football Australia or the FFA got very involved in the curriculum and the Dutch model and all that sort of stuff. And somewhere I think as um, as a football nation, we kind of lost our identity a little bit of who we are. And, you know, I tell the story a lot that Harry Kuehl and I used to, you know, spar six three-minute rounds of boxing before we even started gym. You know, he was a tough mofo and a lot of people saw him as uh, the great player at Liverpool, super skillful, etc. He's a machine. And then even now, um, he'll do his Peloton sessions a couple of times a day. Uh, up in Glasgow where he's working with Ange. Before that, he was he's at the home in Manchester and he'll, he, he's a beast, you know, and, and that's the thing that's missing is I don't really see too many players that I look at and go, wow, what a beast. And if you're a beast and a competitor and you've got some technical ability, then we're talking. Yeah. I, think, yeah, I, I don't know how else to follow up with that. But then I guess... How do we fix it? Like, we've got this problem of, you know, where the golden age was really good. We had the athletes and the players combined together. And then we've gone through, like, a, a dead spot, essentially, in terms of the development side. And then we focus too much on, on the sport of soccer. And then now we're trying to, I guess, go back to that to some degree in more of a new age approach. So how do we actually go about it? Well, the advice I give to players and parents is just for them to understand if they want to make it they have to actually feel different and be different because if even if I look at Melbourne City and you know the academy's been running now for I think it's let's call it 12 years I think there's probably a half a dozen players one of my good kids Nathaniel Atkinson who's over at Hearts was a classic over from Tasmania he's worked his way through the the um through the youth team and the under-21s to play and represent his country, etc. You know, so the likelihood of even if your kid's at Melbourne City or Melbourne Victory or Western United um, in those sort of under-21, 23s teams, the likelihood of you still going through is still very low. So if people say, well, I'm in that, I'm there and abouts in that group, I want to see that they're actually... They're doing something different. Mm. So if the if the coaches are saying you shouldn't be doing any strength and conditioning because that'll that'll ruin the loads and everything that we're doing with you, like be the beast. 
go off and do some extra strength and conditioning, find someone that knows a bit about the game and is a football person that's done some S&C and can improve you as an athlete. And don't be dumbed down and listen to people that maybe aren't true football people and are perhaps curbing your development. Because I know all those boys from Bresh, Carl Valeri, they were such workhorses. No one ever really told them to do because the coach knew that they could be trusted to look after themselves because they were just Johnny Aloisi. The one percenters were just so they were so good at doing all of those things. And not saying we haven't produced some good players because obviously we did it. We had a fantastic World Cup in the end, but they're just fewer. And and we need to just start to say to these parents and players, don't be so worried about the sports scientists saying you've done a bit too much. You know. You know, a day off can cons- could still consist of some Pilates to work on your core stability, given that, you know, adductor, OP, low back is still such a big part to injuries in the round ball game. Mm. So a Pilates session could be done twice a week as part of your recovery even. That is not going to tire you, but a lot of the modern-day sports science kids will come out and say, oh, no, we need a rest. I'm worried about that it's too much for the player. How are they going to go and play in somewhere like the Championship in England where you're on a coach all week playing three games a week, high press, getting kicked and battered from, you know, pillar to post? That's that's something we've got to start to address in this country. Yeah, it sounds like they haven't built that durability. Correct. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, that, that's the what, some of the things we see here as well is a lot of the coaches throughout the ages and I, I guess it comes back to the old saying like, oh, kids shouldn't do strength training until the age of 16, which still... It kind of floats around to this day as well. We're seeing that kind of that, that myth kind of decline over time as well, which is really good to see. And then the recommendation for kids getting to strength training is basically when they can actually take instructions, which yeah. is really good to see on that perspective. The one thing I am seeing is, you know, parents like yourself, we're seeing some other parents as well who were former national level athletes are like, yes, we know that this is good. We wish we had this when we were younger as well. Then they put them into programs, whether it's with us or with you guys as well. And then we see that growth and long-term development. Then the other thing we see as well, they enjoy the sport a lot more. They see more results. They're more consistent. The coach is like, all right, this kid is really good at what he's doing or he's just really good in seeing that gradual development and growth in their sport and their skills. And then a lot of people don't realize if a kid is really skilled at their sport but actually quite weak as well, strength will actually further express their skills. And that's the Correct. other thing we don't talk about as well because it's from a, a neuromuscular perspective. So if the kid can kick pretty accurately with a little bit of heat behind it, then you just you know put him on an eight-week program as a minimum, he's going to see some pretty remarkable results in his kicking. And, and I, I use the analogy a lot where it's like in, how many times are you going to impact a game? Mm. So... Uh, He's a very dear to me, young Danny De Silva, who was signed at Roma when he was 15. He went on loan to Rota in Holland and then ended up um, <clears throat> back in Australia with... He's been at Central Coast Mariners. He's at um, MacArthur now. But he was a classic, had all these amazing skills and, was like, better skills than I would have ever had in a million years. Like, such a talent. But he was just... He had the build at the time of a, um, you know, a, a kid hanging out in the skate park. Like he was just uh, very thin and and just didn't really have what he required. And at that stage, this huge talent was playing in the Dutch first division and as a number ten, impacting a game maybe three times, four times. 
So we used to do these two-month camps where I'd smash him four hours a day. He'd rent an apartment in um, Chapel Street and come to the clinic I had in Wilson Street at the time, off Chapel Street. And he'd spend two months with me. And that would be my full-time job at that, where I'd, I'd delegate other parts of the business and I'd just strictly work with Danny on pitch, at the beach, in the gym. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, and I get him to do a lot of uh, running-specific stuff with uh, Bowden Babchek, my good mate, the f- um, renowned footwork coach, high-performance coach at Hawthorne and Melbourne and the Boomers, dear friend and such an amazing uh, running coach. But... All of a sudden, once he'd gone through that process, it's the same kid, but he's impacting a game 27 times, not three. Mm. So I talk about that with your sport is if you're strong enough and elite at that in your fitness levels, it also just impacts your ability to be able to influence a game over and over and over again. Then the the coaches are going to see more value in you as well. They're going to keep you on for longer, which means you're going to have more eyes on you for longer. You build up your resume even more. You're going to have more weight behind it. Then there's going to be, you know, people knocking on your door in order to be like, hey, can can you come over here and do a two-week trial with us and see how you go? So the opportunities will start to open as you start to focus on the overall development, not just specifically in one area and in that example, he's managed to stand out. And then I think not only with that is that the player, when he goes to Europe, must understand his body and and have an understanding of how to manage injuries and, you know, if some people get a little bit of a tendency towards patellar tendinopathy or Achilles or groin, they need to have the tools before they go mm. because when you hit the ground over there, um, there is no one. You know, still today, it's improved a lot in England, but still today, a lot of clubs will not really invest much in the sports science. And certainly as an Aussie boy, it's not like you're going into a Manchester United. You'll be going into a lower club where you've got a chance of playing. So there will be no help. So I can't... If you speak to my wife, she'll tell you about the 3 o'clock in the morning phone calls with overseas where... I've been doing video hookups with, you know, Stefan Mork in J- Japan or, um, you know, Joshi Brillante when he was at Fiorentina, just doing some basic assessments. Oh, mate, remember, remember that exercise I used to give you for your glutes and your quadratus femoris that offset your groin problem? That's, that's the one you've got to keep doing again. And all of a sudden I get a text, yeah, mate, it's settled down. So there ain't anything over there. So unless you have a really good understanding of your strength levels and what it is to prepare as a professional player, you're going to have all the talent in the world, you'll be spat out that system straight away. Yeah, we're better equipping the athletes for when they do overseas, when they do get left alone, essentially. Correct. Cool. Um, oh, I made a point. Actually, um, have you seen The Last Dance? Loved it. Loved yeah. And it was a really critical point because I think it was a part of Jordan's career, right, where he was getting bullied off the ball like crazy. And I can't remember how much weight he put on. I think it was maybe like 20 pounds or so, yep. which is about 8 to 8 yep. kilos. Basically went through an intensive uh, strength training routine because he was quite like athletic, but he was quite lanky. But then went through that and basically just became this dominant force. And then ended up winning all these championships as a result. So I think yeah. it's kind of a good lesson in that. Even the best of the best, even though he was a very talented kid, he still still went through the same process that a lot of, you know, 
everyone else has gone through. Like, there's nothing different. Yeah, yeah, no, and a special mentality. Obviously, those sort of players, you know, you, that, that end up becoming international brands, whether it's Roger Federer or Nadal or Novak and Ronaldo, Messi. They, there are, and, and what one thing I have found working with those sort of people, you know, you'll often find they're quite uh, insular about. They find their team and surround themselves with a team. Like you look at Novak, uh, he's got... When he used to work at the Australian Open with um, uh, the doubles player, Sue She was the number one doubles player. And I, I worked with her and Paul McNamee every every summer. We did a pre-season for four weeks, then the Australian Open. And so you gave you the insight into the locker room and into the, the sports med areas and you just watched the preparation. And, you know... He's got his physio and manager who will do everything from manage his body through to um, book the courts for practice, etc. He's got an amazing strength and conditioning coach who's just a tennis person. The watching some of the drills, I've pinched and bought into, you know, combat martial arts and those sort of things as well because the rotational training that he does is just off the charts. Mm. But great lesson for young kids as well. If you want your player if your, your kid is a player to progress, you have to surround yourself with a good team. Mm. And that good team doesn't necessarily be at, at the club because your club is guaranteed not to be a constant in your life. No, no kids these days are going to be one club players. It's just not how the world works these days. So you need to have a, a team around you that can support you wherever you go and, and building those good people in your locker are a very, very important part to these successful stories. Yeah, and they sometimes they're very few and far between as well. It's like, how do you, how, how does this one go about finding, you know, a support network like that? Well, you've got to actively look. Yeah. You know, and so if players are coming to see you um, from multiple sports and they build an affiliation and there's a genuine care for the player and there's an authenticity, I think that's a great place to start mm. because... In our, in our game, you, you tend to fall into one of two categories. There's either those that uh, are anxious about their abilities and uh, whether that's in physio, sports medicine, uh, strength and conditioning, and so tend to be very insular and, and not want people to see other people. I mean, half my job these days as well is just I'm a referral pad, you know, where... I just took a phone call on the way here from a, a father that was anxious about his 16-year-old uh, who'd just done an ACL, wasn't sure, was, was stressing out about patella and hamstring grafts, which surgeon got onto Dr Google, had virtually about to give himself a nervous <laughs> breakdown. So, but just to be able to steady him and reassure him that the surgeon he was seeing, had, I've known for 20 years and he's a fantastic surgeon, and I've never seen any of the issues in 25 to 30 years of rehab in sport of any of those issues that he was suggesting that he discovered on the internet. Mm. Um, so I think looking for people with education, uh, passion and authenticity about what they do will tend to, I think, for parents, you're halfway there. Yeah, and I think the reputation as well. So I think for us, because we work with a lot of swimmers, we've got... And then some of them have done quite well at nationals as well that we tend to 
work with one or two swimmers and those parents will talk to other parents it's like oh where's your daughter going we're training here they've been able to do x y and z then you kind of just get that essentially you just get that referrals coming in through the door as a result because you're just delivering on what you initially had intended was to get them moving better pbs and whatnot then all right then that becomes that kind of perpetual cycle that you start to surround yourself with the right people as well because they're doing it for the, with for the right reasons essentially is to set your child up for future success and you know like i say to people thinking about professional sport the reason why there is so many ups and downs is it's a results-based business you know like you look at a premier league coach in england you lose five or six you know games in a row so you up you're gone and players the same um, I've had players who've had their one chance in Europe that have made a mistake and straight in the bin. You'll, you'll never play here again. Wow. So it's, it's brutal, and that's why I say it's also the mentality side of it. It's, it's, it's not for everyone. So if you're working with your swimmers and they're all starting to get PBs, people are starting to see results, and that's ultimately, for me, one of the major things you're judged by, and I think the other other one for me has always been churning out good quality people. So mm. I've always, you know, in a sense, interviewed people. I want to be part of good, authentic athletes and creating quality people that then, at the door at the end of their career, go on and impact the world in a positive way as well. Yeah, it's a butterfly effect. Yeah, correct. It's cool. Um, I guess what what are the key takeaways um, for parents? So. The, the key thing, uh, and I've used this analogy a lot, but um, and knowing the family very well, but I look at, uh, so John Aloisi steps up to take the, the penalty that puts Australia through to the first World Cup in 2005 on that, that amazing night in Sydney. At the end of the day, John's, not only is he, is he gonna take the penalty, but he took it on himself. And he tells the story really well where, you know, he said, I'll take the fifth kick. So it's either going to be hero or villain. Hmm. So that in itself says the quality of the man and, you know, that he can handle pressure. Now, Rocco, his dad is in the stands and Rocco can't take that penalty for him. John's taking the penalty. So as I say to my own kids when it comes to sport, um, and as I say to parents everywhere is this is their journey and you can't do it for them. Um, let them have their journey, surround themselves with, surround them with the, the third party male mentors or female mentors, the right mentors, because a mess, one little message from them, uh, from the right mentor, goes straight into that kidney learns, as opposed to um, the parent trying to push it onto them, becomes an argument, most most kids, teenage kids, think their uh, their mum and dad's a dickhead, you know, and so they ain't going to listen to us. And and so I've got my kids mentors for their different sports, um, and they have a, a wonderful impact on my kids' life, and that is key. So just remember for the parents that you can't do it for them. It's it's the kids' journey and the passion and the hard work and getting up early and the mentality and the ups and the downs, we can support them and love them, but it's the kid's journey and so they've got to be able to run that, that show. Um, and parenting, yes, it is a thankless task, you know, driving out to Casey on a Monday night, getting back at 10 o'clock and, you know, 
all of that stuff, it, you can feel like you're eating a shit sandwich sometimes. But again, it's it's their journey, not uh, not ours. Cool. Oh, that's a great way to wrap it up. Perfect. Cool. All right. Thanks, thanks for, for you, Tim. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming down. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy schedule and crazy world that you, that no, you live in. But it's 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 good what you're doing down here, and uh, I respect what you're doing, and, and wish you all the best. Cool. I appreciate that. You too. Thanks, man. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please like and subscribe, um, and we'll yeah just continue to put the I guess continue to do what, what we do best. You're doing well, mate. Really well done. Cool, thanks. See you next time. You have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.